0: Wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused. How on earth did that happen?
2: I'm your host, BJ Cunningham, and this is your World Cup Team USA betting preview. And second, I'll be joined by my co-host and friend, Anthony Demundo, along with a very, very special guest. But first, Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game, get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 years or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, and Iowa. If you have a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. All right. Everything's going to be devoted here to the two-time defending World Cup champions. And to do that, we thought we needed to bring on an expert. So on today's episode, we're joined by Anna Witty. She's an analyst for the National Women's Soccer League and an expert on all things United States Women's National Team. Anna, thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me on. Super pumped to talk about this World Cup.
2: The overarching question that I believe me and Anthony have is, it seems from a talent perspective, the rest of the world is not only catching up with the United States, but that they've caught up. Teams like Germany, England, and Spain seem to have just as much or more talent than the United States. Do you think that's a fair characterization? Or do you think the United States is still clear in a way the best team in the world?
1: A lot of these federations have caught up. It's not just the U.S. women's national team at the top anymore. Germany is potentially making a run at it. Spain as well, England has had a lot of success. And I think you look back at what happened in the summer of 2022 with the Euros, England coming out on top in the success that their league has had in England. And then you look at the league here in the States that has 60 players playing in the World Cup, spanning multiple different countries. It's the growth of soccer, not just at the federation level And countries putting their money into their women's programs, but it's also the clubs and the development of players at the club level making them better when they actually get to their country. So this World Cup will certainly honestly will be the best World Cup that we'll see and especially as it's expanding to 32 countries this summer.
3: You know, one of the other kind of big storylines, I think, coming into this World Cup, it's been the year of the ACL. We've seen, you know, record numbers of injuries to key players, whether it's Viv Miedema uh, amongst the Dutch and and other very talented players that won't be there for England as well. How have injuries taken their toll on this U.S. women's national team, Becky Sauerbrunn, uh, Mallory Swanson? How does that impact kind of the overall talent level uh, for the United States? And, And what are the key injuries mean in terms of maybe depth issues?
1: Mallory Swanson is a massive loss for this U.S. women's national team. And she has had a very successful club season at the beginning of the year. Last year, she came off a massive high. She was just such a big part of the attack and something that the U.S. felt like they could lean on going into this World Cup. Without her, they are going to have Alyssa Thompson in there, her first World Cup. She only has four caps with the U.S. women's national team, 18 years old. So this will be a huge test for her. But you mentioned Becky Sauerbron. She's a phenomenal center back, but she brings more than just her talent on the field. She has such a massive vocal communication piece to her game that on the back line without an experienced player like that, Things can get a little tricky in the group stage games. I don't think the U.S. will have any issues with the defensive aspect of the game. That'll be in the latter half of the tournament. But when you look at losing a Becky Sauerbron, you lose a player like Mallory Swanson. Katarina Macario is not really a player that I say is a loss because they've known for a while that she's been dealing with this ACL injury and they've been playing without her for a while now. But you even look at Megan Rapinoe. She's only played in nine club games this year. She went out in June on June 10th and hasn't played in a club game since. So we don't know where she's at and head coach for the national team. Blacko and has said that she's healthy. She's available if need be. He said the same thing for Rose Lavelle, who was a massive piece in the world cup in 2019, who's only played two club games this season. Hasn't seen the field since April. And she's a place that if she's ready to go on Friday, is she fitness ready? Is she available to play at the level that everyone's going to expect Lavelle to play at? So there's so many key pieces that are missing, but then there's these key pieces that Flacco has decided to bring down under that are still de- dealing with some injuries. You can add Julie Ertz to that mix, who's a key midfielder throughout her career, but she's also dealing with some injuries and she's a player who can slide into the back line in that center back role who is very versatile. There are some injuries. I would say that there's no massive Question marks, potentially with the national team. But when you look at Julie Yurt, Roosevelt, and Megan Rapino, their status of where they're going to land and when they're going to be potentially available is still up in the air.
2: You mentioned the manager, It You know, the United States coming into this World Cup, obviously they've won every single match in 2023, but they had a poor showing at the 2021 Olympics. And then last fall, they had three losses to the, some of the top teams in the world, in like Germany, Spain, and England. How would you assess his first couple years on the job? And are there maybe some tactical concerns with him and the US national team uh, in terms of uh, if them stacking up against some of these top teams?
1: Vladimir Knoski has been a part of this team since 2019. So he's had four years to figure out who he wants to play with the style he wants to play with the type of players he wants to play with. I would say they're in a good place in the aspect of going into this tournament. They have good key pieces in certain positions, but throughout these past four years, I would have liked to see him bring in some younger players to mix them in with the Megan Rapinos, the Rose Lavelle, see how those partnerships might look next to each other. Two of the big pieces that he left back in the States Ashley Hatch and Sam Coffey who've had phenomenal NWSL seasons and he's been a big proponent of the NWSL, saying that that season, the beginning of the season, was going to be a big reason as to why he brings certain players. When you leave an Ashley Hatch at home, who's had eight goals, two assists in NWSL play so far, she can score goals, she can be a part of that attack, and I think that might be potentially missed. And then Sam Coffey, who's been excellent in her first two seasons in the NWSL, a massive facilitator in the sixth role, that's a big piece that I believe Vlako's doesn't have in his arsenal like if Andy Sullivan goes down or Julie Ertz is unavailable there is nobody to slide into that sixth role and to help with the defensive facilitating, to help in the attack, to build out of the attack. And that's something that's not going to hurt in the group stages if something goes south in that role. But certainly once you hit the quarters, semis and definitely the final. So I think he's done a solid job, but there's a lot of pieces that he could have done leading up to year 2023 that he decided not to do. He, he stuck with his veterans.
2: I think
3: that's kind of one of the other bigger themes with this team is that they're, they're almost caught between generations a little bit. Uh, and, you know, bringing Julia Ertz back in, do you think that's a signal from Vladko that, okay, we want to make sure that we have the veteran experience, or do you think that's almost, I don't want to say a mistake, but almost a, a decision that signifies that they're still not really going to turn this whole thing over to that next generation of, of up and coming stars?
1: The latter. They are certainly not changing the guard to the the younger generation yet. And Julie Ertz had been coming back from her pregnancy. She's only played in a handful of NWSL games this season. And she has not been up to the standard of the Julie Ertz that we saw in the World Cup she's played previously, the Olympics that she's played previously that's okay but bringing her after just a handful of NWSL games and before that not playing for the last two years is a massive risk and he already has so much leadership on this team Kelly O'Hara we've mentioned Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan is a part of this team a lesson goal there's no lack of leadership or necessarily a lack of talent at the veteran role Julie Ertz brings in that leadership and that talent but a Sam Coffey could slide into that sixth role she's now the captain for the Portland side, now that a lot of the international players are gone, she's trusted with so much at just 24 years old that if Blacko had decided to bring her to Australia, New Zealand, they would have been completely fine. I would have brought Sam Coffee over Julie Ertz. I don't think it's necessarily a bad decision, but I think Coffee just provides a lot more that Ertz doesn't because she's been out of the game for a bit.
0: Pro teams have millions to spend and they don't always spend them wisely When you shave with Harry's, get started with a thirteen dollar trial set for just three dollars at Harry's dot com slash Blue That's Harry's dot com slash Blue Wire for a three dollar trial set.
2: Speaking to the United States' actual draw going through this World Cup, it seems pretty favorable if they can win their group. You know they are going to play the second place great to a team in Group G, which is a very weak group as well. How much does this draw in terms of how favorable it says for the United States, even in the quarterfinals, having to play in potentially Norway or Japan and having to avoid some of these top teams? Does that benefit the United States getting the lead up through this group stage through a couple of matches and be fresher and more ready to face a potentially maybe a Spain or a Sweden in the semis?
1: Definitely the U.S. could use this group stage to kind of build to where they want to go. And not only from a a talent aspect, because a lot of these players have been together for a good amount of of time. They played in a send-off game last Sunday. So they've gotten experience together. But playing against a team like Vietnam, who's entering their first World Cup, is going to give them confidence. You play against a team like Portugal, who's also entering their first World Cup. Netherlands is the game that they play next Wednesday. And that's who they played against in the final back in 2019. It's going to be a better test for them as they move out of the group stage, potentially. Um, And I think this U.S. Women's National Team, the biggest thing against Vietnam and Portugal that we've seen building up to this World Cup is they've really struggled in being dynamic in the attack. Ireland held them to a lot of close games, and we watched them play against Wales. They didn't score until the second half of the actual second half and it's not only these teams are going to come at them and make it very difficult for them to defend it's going to be how are they going to score goals how are they going to make themselves dangerous inside the 18 when it's going to be five against ten at multiple instances these teams like vietnam and portugal aren't going to give them a lot to deal with when it comes to down the flanks you know Players like Naomi Gurma, Alana Cook aren't going to be dealing with a lot defensively, but Alex Morgan, Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman, some of these massive goal scorers are going to have to step up big in the group stage to put away five or six goals potentially, and how is it going to look when they've struggled heading into the World Cup to do that against opponents?
3: You kind of hinted at and suggested some of the names, uh, some of the young and up and comers that are kind of breaking their way into this team. If I haven't watched the U.S. Women's National Team since 2019 World Cup or since the 2021 Olympics uh, when we lost, who are some of the names that have emerged in the last couple of years as a part of that new guard that's trying to break down the door?
1: Sophia Smith is a massive piece for this national team. She's still very young. In her NWSL play so far this year, she's had 10 goals, 5 assists. She's super dynamic, and she's improved in her game. And not only being that true 9 goal scorer, but she can – facilitate play with players around her trinity rodman is another massive name who has come up the nwsl ranks now being with the national team for the past few years she's had four goals two assists in nwsl play she had a brace in the send-off game against wales the other week the other thing that Trinity Rodman has in her arsenal is Ashley Sanchez, who's another new player to this national team. Those two are not only teammates with the Washington Spirit in the NWSL, but they're best friends and their partnership works really well with Sanchez playing in the attacking midfielder role. She'll get forward, play it out to Trinity Rodman, or she'll get inside the box to receive a ball from Rodman inside. Those are three massive names. And then on the back line, a name that you'll hear for years to come is Naomi Gurma. She has played with the San Diego Wave, played her college days at Stanford. She is so strong on the ball, reads the game really well, and she's able to defend people really well in 1v1 situations. She's going to be a massive piece for this national team this summer, especially without Becky Sauerbrunn. And then you have Savannah DeMello, a player that Andonoski has given an opportunity after having a very successful NWSL run in her first 13 games this season. She's only 24 years old, but she had her first cap in the send-off game the other weekend. And she's so dynamic going forward. She's fun to watch, but she's really good at facilitating play on her own. So she doesn't need partnerships around her. And I'm really excited to see how she looks with the Alex Morgans, with the Trinity Rodmans, now that she's moving out of club, playing with the national team that's giving her those options for good pieces to play around her. So there are some really talented young players that if Andanoski had given them the reins completely and left some of these more experienced players at home, they would certainly be able to step into this World Cup opportunity and, and go full speed.
2: Kind of going along those lines, I mean, everybody obviously knows the name, right? Megan Rapino. She's going to, you know, she mentioned she's going to retire at the end of the 10 season. Is she actually going to start or are they going to start Trinity Rodman on the left over her?
1: Megan Rapino will not start and okay. she's not played a game since June 10th. So I think even if he wanted to start her, it would be a risk. Uh, Trini Rodman will definitely start and Megan Rapinoe is a player not just it, with the U.S. Women's National Team but at her club level she'll start but she's also better off the bench sometimes because she gives that electric ability to go down the flank when everybody's tired she can exhaust a team put balls inside the box and Rapinoe's is known for being so strong and being able to hold players off that in the 60th minute when an opponent like Vietnam or even the Netherlands gets exhausted you could put Rapinoe on the field expect her to do her defensive responsibilities, but also get into the attack. So if I'm betting, I'm certainly not betting on Megan Rapinoe starting in any of these games, especially in the group stage with her injury, her age, and just kind of where this national team is at right now.
3: So let's play a little fill in the blank here. Uh, The United States women's national team will win the world cup. If what's the big key?
1: The U.S. Women's National Team will win the World Cup if they can figure out how to be dynamic in the attack. There are so many talented places, and we've named so many of them so far. With Alex Morgan, Sophia Smith, you have Trinity Rodman, who can get in the attack and score goals. Even Crystal Dunn, who's going to be playing as a fullback down the flank for this national team. But there's been so many instances where they're struggling to figure out the right spots, struggling to figure out the partnerships. Sophia Smith and Alex Morgan play that similar nine role at the club level, and now Andonoski has asked Smith to play wider. It uh, tends she tends to drag in more centrally, but these movements are going to have to be a lot better, stronger, and they're going to have to be more dangerous in and around the 18 if they want to come out on top.
3: I have a quick follow right. do up. You, do you think yeah. do you think that the issues they've had kind of in the final third uh, and then around the penalty area, creating chances, being dynamic? Do you think that's more of an issue of talent or tactics? Uh, because to me, it feels like tactics because obviously we know how good the talent is.
1: No, I completely agree. It's an issue of tactics. And and that relates back to what Andonofsky has done with this team within the formations with what he's decided to play. Right now, the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to play a 4-3-3 with two attacking players, one holding six. But I think it's just getting those numbers forward, finding the right pockets and the, just feeling out the game. I think the Vietnam game is going to be really telling who he's going to play in certain spots and who is better in what positions when balls come inside. So definitely tactic, not talent at all, because I think where the U.S. is the best is certainly in the attacking third with the players they have as forwards.
2: All right. One last fill in the blank. You've obviously mentioned some of the problems of the United States, but if the United States does not win the World Cup, it will be because of this
1: if the U.S. doesn't win the World Cup, is because their outside back skin injured. And Crystal oh, Dunn and Emily Fox are massive pieces to this backline, and that's where Vlako Andonoski did not bring his depth this summer. And Crystal Dunn can get forward; she typically plays in a more of attacking midfield role in her club play anyway. Emily Fox is the same way; she'll cut in centrally and help in the attack. If either one of those players gets injured, it's going to be Sophia Sophia Huerta or Kelly O'Hara coming into the game. Not Sophia Huerta cannot defend the way that Fox and Crystal Dunn can defend. Kelly O'Hara has plenty of experience and I would feel good about her subbing in. But if this team is going to potentially lose this World Cup, it would be because they don't have the defensive structure that could handle a Spain, a Germany, potentially even the Netherlands.
2: All right, Anna, thank you very, very much for joining us for this section I feel much, much more versed about the United States women's women's national team now, and we'll be seeing you much more throughout this World Cup. So thank you very much. BJ, we
3: can't let her get off without a prediction.
2: Oh, yeah, it's true. (laughs) That's true, we can't. So here's the question. Ignoring the odds, does the United States win win the World Cup?
1: Simply, no. The U.S. does not win the World Cup. There are so many... Yeah, I think so too. I've heard what you guys kind of think as well. And I just don't think that they have the talent. And I think it's a lot of credit to what these federations have done to pour money into the competition this summer. And I think that's what makes it so exciting this summer is there's a lot of people who aren't betting on the US and they likely might be right.
3: And then the other question is, how have you adjusted and prepared your sleep schedule to uh, do the nocturnal month that we're about to have?
1: Yeah, well, thankfully, the first two games are at 9pm Eastern time. But the 3am Eastern time is going to be very difficult. I think I might sleep until 245, then get up and then go back to sleep for a few hours. I'm not really sure. I'm not much of a morning person. Definitely a night owl. I have to figure that piece out. But at least we get to figure it out for the first week, right?
2: That's right. Yeah. See, you just got to go through an Australian open tennis tournament to get ready for it. That's what he had to do. Um, but thank you very much for joining us, Anna. Thank you for all your insights. Make sure you follow her on Twitter at Anna Witty. This edition of Wonder Gold is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 on any game and get $200 in bonus bets must be 21 years or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, and Iowa. If you have a gambling problem, please call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. And we'll wrap it up there for this edition of Wonder Gold, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network presented by Bet365. We will return for even more betting episodes as the World Cup continues in the weeks ahead. So look forward to that, and we'll see you here next time on Wonder Bowl presented by Bet365.
0: Action Network reminds you please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24 7 at 1 800 Gambler.